Life Audio. The How to Study the Bible podcast is brought to you by BibleStudyTools.com and is part of the Life Audio Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith affirming podcasts, visit LifeAudio.com. Rightfully prioritizing our life means asking the question what does it mean for me to be a neighbor? is at the middle, at the central heart of what it means for me to follow Jesus. It is not my church attendance. It is not my doctrine. But if we're going to ask what is at the heart of the way that we inherit eternal life, the way that we live out our following of Jesus, we're going to find that this story is at the heart. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to How to Study the Bible. My name is Nicole Eunice. I'm your host here on this podcast, and I'm really excited for us to dive into our passage today. Hey, if you're new with us, if you've just discovered this podcast, it's very, very simple. What we do is we open up a passage of scripture each week. We follow one method, one uh, set of questions that we ask of the passage each and every week together, and we together discover what God has for us. The amazing thing about God's Word is that even stories that you may be very familiar with, um, passages that you have visited and revisited in your faith journey, God can do a fresh work with you over and over again because you're changing, right? And God's Word is alive, and so He has something new for us when we come to His Word in faith each and every week, and that's certainly been my experience in today's passage. So we're in a, ser- a series called Stories Jesus Told. And we are just kind of engaging in this idea that we're we're in the resurrection life, right? Sort of in the church calendar. Jesus has been resurrected. And I just imagine what it would be like to be one of those first disciples, pretend and imagine that Jesus has now gone to heaven. He's left us with our mission. And imagine sitting around and being like, let's revisit the stories that Jesus told us when he worked in his earthly ministry and the lessons that he taught us and what he really showed us it meant to live a full and a free life. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to revisit those stories just like those disciples did as these stories were written down. And the stories that Jesus tells are called parables. And a parable means just to throw something, the, the kind of word means to throw alongside of. So the idea here is that Jesus uses everyday examples and everyday stories to teach a parallel spiritual truth. And so as Jesus is walking along with his disciples and as people are following him, he's using everyday examples that would be very familiar to his listeners in order to illuminate a spiritual truth for those who want to hear it. We talked about that last week, that there is this piece of stories where Jesus, as Eugene Peterson would say in his book, Jesus tells it slant. The the name of the book is Tell It Slant. Like Jesus doesn't come in through the front door where it's like, I'm just going to give you like a three-point sermon. Instead, it's like this slanted way in where we're invited to explore what the story really has for us. But we actually have to have a curiosity and an imagination to ask the question, what does this really mean for me? And that's what we're going to do together. So we're going to go through our four simple questions from the Alive Method. Um, That's based on my 
my my Bible study, my book called um, Help My Bible is Alive. It actually helps you to understand how you can interpret a passage. And here on the podcast, we do that each and every week. So we're going to ask those same questions. So today's story is from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. And I've titled our podcast, The Neighbor. Now, some people would call the story the story of the Good Samaritan. But I actually think that the topic, the true nature of the story is the neighbor. So let's take a look at this passage. I'm going to read it for you. Pay attention to the characters in the story. Imagine this story playing out in your mind's eye. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So, too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. 
He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And then Jesus said, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Okay, so what does it say? What does the story say? This is where we always start. This is always a danger in scripture is that when we read something familiar, this may be one of the most familiar stories that Jesus told. People know this story outside of scripture. People who are not believers know this story. We use the term Good Samaritan. It's in our vernacular, like it's a it's an idiom that we use in the English language to mean somebody who shows mercy to somebody else. So it can feel so familiar that we can kind of of lose the color of the story, which is why the Alive Method is so helpful, because it forces us to slow down and ask the question, what does it say? And we want to know who the characters are in the story first. So one thing I want you to recognize is that there is a conversation happening here, right? This story is told in the context of the fact that an expert in the law, a religious leader, is asking Jesus questions. So Jesus is giving a story to a particular person. He's not just laying out a story for the whole world, although, of course, it's it's totally applicable to us. But it's a story that's told to a specific person. And that specific person is a religious leader. It is a person whose job it was to interpret the law of God. So this is not like our world today where we have lawyers and judges separate, right? And then we have like pastors and seminarians. These two things were sort of combined. The Jewish leaders, the interpreters of the law, the experts in the law, they would be the ones who were like giving the ethical code for the people. They were were actually serving in the role of judge and pastor, sort of combined. So when we hear this story, I want you to understand that this is the story about a person whose job it was to discern and to judge what it looked like to live righteously. And a lot of times when we read these stories, there's a there's a little bit of a tone where we think like all of these guys are the bad guys. There's nothing in scripture that says that all these guys were the bad guys. We can we could actually assume good intent by this guy that he really he really was coming into a question and answer sort of conversation with Jesus, which would be a very normal way to engage these types of matters. It would be normal for a rabbi or an expert to ask a question and to have it answered. So we see that sort of playing out in this story, right? So the first thing we want to know is this is a story told in context to a specific person. It is told specifically to an expert in the law, right? The second thing we want to know is that there's obviously like people groups that are being called out in this story when Jesus gets into the story, right? We know in the story that there is a priest who passes by this man. We know that there's a Levite who passes by this man. And then there's a Samaritan who passes by this man. And and each of those people groups would have like a context that anyone listening would understand, right? Okay, so obviously a priest, that's like the pastor, that's the spiritual leader people. Levite, same thing, also in that group of people who are set apart as the holy people, okay? So 
Jesus is calling out the church people right now. He's putting them into the story. And then normally there would be like, there would be priests, there would be Levites, and there would be the regular people. Those would be like the Jewish people, right? But instead of just a regular person, Jesus actually takes it even further and he makes the regular person who passes by the guy who's been robbed, he makes that regular person a Samaritan. Now, what Jesus was doing, he's calling out one of the most hated and marginalized groups for the Jewish people. You can go ahead and decide what people group that might be for you. Now, I know, I know you're a Christian and you're sweet, but guess what? I'm sure there is a people group or type of person that is not your favorite. And I, I think one of the best things that you can do in a parable like this is go ahead and put that person in this story. Whatever that people group is, whatever people group you don't you don't love, it's the ambulance chasers, it's the protesters, it's whatever that might be. I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes, but I am trying to help you bring this story to life. So all of us have that quote unquote people group that might not be our favorite group. And I do think it's important to understand that in this context, that's who Jesus decides to put in the story. And that would be the first twist, right, in the way that Jesus is telling this story. Because normally it would be priests, Levites, and the people. This time the people group are priests, Levites, and a Samaritan. So Jesus is pushing the envelope, right, of the way that he's inviting emotional engagement into this story. So what does it say? So what do we know? The basics of the story. An expert in the law comes to Jesus. He asks some questions. This would be normal. It would be not as normal that Jesus actually turns the questions on him, right? So now Jesus, it would be the person in authority would be the one asking the questions. And so this expert in the law comes to Jesus in a place of authority to ask Jesus questions. Immediately, Jesus turns the question on his head and asks the question back. And he asks him, well, how do you interpret the law? And this is when the expert in the law says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? And then he takes it further. He's keeping the question, questions and answers going. So he says, well, who is my neighbor? And that's when Jesus tells the story. Then we hear the story play out. Um, it's important. Another little backstory piece is the fact that this guy was robbed, beaten, and left half dead. So to deal with anything dead um, when you were a Levite or a priest would make you unclean. Okay, so in there's a lot about cleanliness laws in this in this Jewish system, and so if you became unclean, you wouldn't be able to fulfill like your temple duties. If you were on the way to the temple and you were unclean, then you couldn't go into the temple until you were clean. Okay, so I tell you that part because it would be easy to justify why the Levite and why the priest would decide the job that I have to do is more important than taking care of the person. And so in the story, they cross the street. They try to ignore the person. They don't want to look this guy in the eye. They don't want to deal with what's in front of them. And then we've got this hated people group. And this person, the one that you would think would not be the hero of the story, becomes the hero of the story. And he doesn't just alleviate this guy's pain. He goes so far, right? He bandages his wounds with oil and water. He takes him to a hotel. He pays for his night. He says, if you need reimbursement, I will pay even more. So Jesus lays out this beautiful, colorful story, and then he turns back to the expert in the law and says, now, which one was a neighbor? So remember, the opening question was, who is my neighbor? But Jesus turns the question and says, now, let me ask you, who acted like a neighbor? And that is the genius of a parable.
Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. A parable always invites this twist of conviction that asks the question, no, that's not the right question. The right question is not who is my neighbor. The right question is who's being a neighbor. What is it like to live a life where you are a neighbor? And I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting into the, the preaching part. But before we do that, okay, so the backstory, we talked about the question and answering and how that's different, how Jesus turns that on its head. We talk about the fact that the characters, Jesus did something different and interesting with the characters. And then we ask the question, okay, what does it mean? So what, here's what I wrote about what does it mean? What's the principle that we can pull out of this passage? We know that the story opens with the expert in the law rightfully saying that the way that we inherit eternal life is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. But what Jesus does is he redefines both neighbor and love. He redefines who is my neighbor. The expert correctly links the love of God and the love of neighbor to each other. But because Jesus redefines who is a neighbor in this parable, he also expands what it means to love God. What he does here in this parable is he takes the ones who would be considered religious and he names the fact that the work that you're doing that you think is more important then the work of mercy is not, in fact, more important. If the priest and the Levite cross the street to avoid showing mercy to this person on their way to their quote-unquote more important work, they have missed the actual lesson. Because when the expert in the law rightfully names that the most important thing that we do is love the Lord our God and love our neighbor, what Jesus does is says, make sure that you have rightfully prioritized your life rightfully prioritizing our life means asking the question, what does it mean for me to be a neighbor, is at the middle, at the central heart of what it means for me to follow Jesus. At the central heart of what it means for me to follow Jesus is not my church attendance. It is not my doctrine. Those things are important. Those things are crucial and critical. Thank goodness. That's what we're doing here together. But if we're going to ask what is at the heart of the way that we inherit eternal life, the way that we live out our following of Jesus, we're going to find that this story is at the heart. This story forces us to redefine what does it mean for me to be a neighbor? And therefore, what does it mean for me to love God, to put that love for God into action? So when we ask the question, what does it mean for me? I think that is the question we have to ask. Am I being a neighbor? 
Am I being a neighbor? Perhaps in big things, it might be easy to say, yes, I would be a quote unquote good Samaritan, right? Like if I pass someone who had just been in a car accident, I'm going to help them, right? Big things might be easier for us, but what about in little things? Are you being a neighbor to your relative who wants to stay on the phone longer than you do? Are you being a neighbor to the person ahead of you in the grocery line with too many items in the express lane? Neighbor is no longer defined by the other. Neighbor is not defined by a people group. It's not defined by a church. It's not defined by race or ethnicity or socioeconomic demographic. Neighbor is defined by my action. So what Jesus is inviting us to do is ask the question, what does it look like for me to be a neighbor today? Being a neighbor will not be about my religious authority or my expertise. It will be about my love. All right, my friends, just like Jesus said at the end, he said, okay, who was a neighbor? He asked the expert. He said, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. I think we all have our marching orders. What does it mean for me to be a neighbor And how do I go and do likewise? Go in peace, my friends. Let's talk next week. Thanks for listening to How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice, a production of LifeAudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey, and edited by Stephen Sanders. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. To learn more about Nicole, you can check out her website at NicoleEunice.com. Her book on how to study the Bible is called Help, My Bible is Alive. And you can find a link to that plus a link to Nicole's site in today's show notes. Once in a generation, a podcast comes along with the power and eloquence to inspire us all. This show will entertain you while you wait for that one. Join two best friends, author and former history teacher John Driver and comedian Johnny W. for hilarious and authentic conversations about life, history, culture, faith, and everything in between. You can listen to Talk About That wherever you find your podcasts or at lifeaudio.com.